Richard. And I'm Gary, and these are our incredible stories. Good evening and welcome. Last week, you heard Claire's incredible story of her childhood hiding from the Gestapo in Belgium. Tonight, Claire joins us on the phone to provide some insightful new details. Claire, in our original interview with you, uh, you mentioned that you and the folks who took you in lived in poverty. Uh, What did you mean by that? The reason that uh, we lived in poverty is because everything was rationed. And uh, the fact is that due to the fact that I was in hiding, they could not use me as a part of the family to receive any kind of food at all. They had to share whatever they could get with me. And sometimes it was less uh, depend, you know, as time went on, they got less and less, but still, if they had very little, they still made sure that there was food on the table for me. And that I found to be, I cannot forget the fact that they had days where they had no food, and yet they made sure that I sat down to eat. And even as a very small child, I was only about seven years old at the time, because I saw that they were not eating. I would not eat either. And then they were very upset with me, and they told me that whatever was on the table, if I would not eat it, I would find it the next day, because they wanted to make sure that I did eat. And I would never forget that. They actually really had true love for you, didn't they, Claire? Yes, they... Uh, whatever they could do. And another thing that I realized today is that uh, people are talking about, I'm sorry I'm going to be going back and forth when it comes to even the schooling where uh, teachers are saying that children are failing, they are not passing because they have to do it uh, via, uh, you know, Zoom or whatever. Uh, I had no education whatsoever, none. And yet uh, they made sure that whatever I could learn, especially through piano, if you recall, they were uh, musicians, uh, they gave their all so that I could at least get that education. But no, I could not. And yet uh, they made sure that whatever I had to go through was going to be something of a lesson for me, something to realize the importance of studies, realize how important, not just to uh, ignore the fact that, oh, well, if you can't go to school, oh, well, if you cannot do it, that's okay. No, it's not okay. They insisted that whatever I could do, I would do. And uh, this, to me, is so important today with everything going on. Uh, I know that Gary has a little one. And uh, what is going on should not be uh, hidden from a child. You do not have to uh, 
make them realize all of the things going on. But you, through love still, the child can learn. There's always something magic about teaching a child, even during the worst of time, to uh, benefit for what they are going through. Because later on in life, as I see it now, what I learned through the war has been beneficial. I am much more uh, tolerant of uh, things going on around me, and I also feel that there is no reason for young people not to realize that everything they are going through now can be used in the long run as a learning process, not just for them to be upset or complain. There's so much that they can learn from it, and the parents to teach the children as well. And you are still uh, sharing some of the things you learned as a little girl there in Brussels, Belgium, with uh, Leah and Lambert. You are still sharing some of that with piano students today, aren't you? I certainly am. And not only piano students, uh, I still go on Zoom with the schools, and I still have been asked to uh, tell my and, uh, yeah, I, I never stop talking to, uh, about my life. I never refuse talking about what it is like to, um, to live through these very difficult times during World War II because I feel that everybody can learn something from it. All we want is whatever we went through to make this a better world because we know that people should not treat, uh, whether it's children or adults, uh, different from who, whatever they are, uh, to, to prejudice them. And uh, it is one of the very worst things that exist. And we have to treat each other with uh, not necessarily love all the time, but with respect. We must respect, especially right now, we're going through a very difficult time with the COVID and with the election. We have to respect one another. We cannot uh, be as critical as we are if we want this to be the kind of world that our children and our grandchildren uh, will live in. We have to show them uh, 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 by example. Yes. The way that the world should be and not always think of the worst thing that can happen, but how to make it better. Your message is not only of respect, but also tolerance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, uh, that is one of the uh, things that people seem to lose uh, as they get older is to be tolerant. People, especially today, they seem to uh, just, uh, they do not even want to pay attention to what people have to uh, convey to them. They don't even want to listen. They just want to see things as they want to see it. And how are we going to be able to learn from one another if we don't listen and be tolerant? I, I 
this is the thing that we must teach even children when they are very young. We have to teach them what it's like to be tolerant. We do not have to wait until they're older. We have to teach them when they're very small. Now, the people who imbued you with these uh, values as a, a very small child, I, I always love mentioning their names so that they do get some recognition. Uh, Leah and Lambert Sabu, is that correct? Leah and Lambert Sabu, mm-hmm. yes, that is definitely right. Uh, I owe them my life. I owe them my love and uh, the respect and the care that they gave me uh, throughout the war and beyond because I did keep in touch with them. And unfortunately, no, once I moved to America, I never got a chance to see them again. And uh, that has always been very painful for me. But uh, they were the nicest people and they risked their lives on a daily basis to save mine. And I do mean on a daily basis. And you did uh, get to return to Brussels once, did you not, Claire? Yes, I did. Uh, This was something that I wanted so desperately because my cousin Nina, who survived Auschwitz, still lived in Brussels. And it was amazing when I went back that I recognized so much from my early childhood and Yes, it was wonderful to be in Brussels again. You know, what was the most surprising, though, you have to understand that uh, when I left Brussels, Brussels was uh, really destroyed because of the bombing and uh, the, I mean, everything that happened during the war was pretty bad. So uh, when I left Brussels, uh, there was not much left of Brussels, and yet when I went back, how everything was built up again, and uh, whatever they could uh, fix, they did fix. But it was wonderful to be back in Brussels again, the place where I was born. Yes, and I I assume that at that uh, time, Leah and Lambert were no longer alive? That's right. They... uh, they passed away within a year or two after I moved to America. And that was one of the hardest things. Uh, for me to come to America was not something that I had planned or even wanted. And they wanted me so desperately to stay near them once I was taken away from them so I could at least visit them. And uh, I was told that uh, when I left that I didn't even have a chance to say goodbye to them. So that was so painful for me. And it took me a long time to write to them because I didn't know how to speak English. So for me to find a post office or to mail a letter, it took me a long, long time. And finally, when I did write to them, uh, they answered me in tears saying that they thought that I forgot all about them and that I really never wanted to 
uh, write to them again, and they wanted to know what took me so long, and it broke my heart. Oh, that is that yeah. is definitely a sad story. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, yeah. they they really didn't live much longer a- after you left. Uh, within a couple years, no. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Lambert uh, survived his wife, and he said in the letter that he thinks that the fact that I left broke his wife's heart, and uh, soon after she passed away. So, but she, I think she must have been ill. I don't, I, I don't think it was because I left. Mm-hmm. He, he really said that she just did not want to live anymore once I left. It mm-hmm. was, it, it was tragic. It really was. Well, we, we're going to move from uh, tragic to happy because <clears throat> that's not how the rest of your life unfolded. Did you find uh, someone that you fell in love with? Uh, well, not right away. You're talking about my beloved husband, Jerry. Yes. Uh, once I moved to America, it was quite difficult. And uh, it was not until I was close to the age of 21 that I met my wonderful husband, Jerry, and uh, I met him at a dance. And uh, when I was introduced to him, I found out that he spoke French, which is the native language that we speak in Brussels. So we were able to speak in French, and the the connection was definitely there. He was, uh, his family was from Tunisia in North Africa, and uh, once I, we got married, his family could not have been any nicer to me, and we had so many wonderful years together, three beautiful children. Uh, I now have grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and his family to this day, they're still very close to me, and I appreciate that so much. For me, to have people who are nice and good and kind is more important than anything because, uh, unfortunately, during my youth and after I came to this country, there were a few people in my life that were not kind. And that can be terrible because you develop such a low self-esteem that uh, I was so grateful once I met my husband because he was able to uh, give me the love that I remembered when I was a young girl. And uh, therefore, I, uh, I, I I lost him just a few years ago, but I am so appreciative for the many, many, many years we had together. And by the way, all during that time since we were married, I did play the piano and I taught the piano and uh, to this day, I am still teaching piano. What and a... that's thanks to the wonderful family that uh, took care of me during the war. I owe them more than a debt of gratitude. I owe them the love of music and everything else that uh, I am uh, part of in today's uh, quarantine time because the music I have to do mostly on Zoom, which is something brand new for me as well. Well, their legacy lives on through the piano, and and that's uh, that's what's really important, Claire. They're not forgotten. 
they were an important part of your life. They've influenced you all the way through your life. And they're people that you will never, ever forget. And I know that your debt of gratitude for them will, will never diminish. Uh, the one other question that I have for you is uh, we learned that uh, your father was uh, arrested by the Gestapo while he was on a streetcar, but we don't know um, about the fate of your mother and aunt. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, well, actually, before I mention about my mother and my aunt, uh, I learned a little bit more about my father as well because my beloved cousin Nina, who was in concentration, and my mother and my aunt were there as well, told me quite a bit more about my father that I was not aware of, uh, how he ended up living in Belgium, what it was like before he went to Belgium, and uh, how he was a hero, actually, during the war, uh, because of uh, all that he has done. And uh, so many people who survived the war in Auschwitz owe it to my father. So I have to mention that to you. But as far as my mother and my aunt is concerned, uh, the last time I had heard where they were, they uh, had been taken uh, t together, my mother, my aunt, and my uncle. They were in hiding together, and uh, the, the Gestapo came and took them away. And uh, the first stop was in a town called Malines which, uh, as you know, is uh, in the 40th train, the book, The 40th Train, they talk about that. And uh, that was the last stop before they were all deported to Auschwitz. Once they were deported to Auschwitz, unfortunately, my mother and my aunt both uh, ended up, uh, unfortunately, as I said, uh, in the gas chamber, and uh, that I found out from my cousin Nina. Plus, I have documents here uh, as proof that that is exactly what happened. Uh, my father was taken into their prison, interrogated, because he had a lot of information that was beneficial to the Nazis, but he succumbed as well. Just my cousin Nina survived, and uh, if you remember, I had mentioned to you that I never wanted to ask her about it because I knew how painful it must have been, but uh, lo and behold, uh, I found out that she did write about it, and I told her that it would mean the world to me if I had a copy of whatever it is that she would write, and she did. She mailed me a copy, but she asked me not to repeat some of the things that she uh, wrote about. And I try to, uh, you know, respect that. But whatever she mentioned about my mom or my dad, or e even uh, she mentioned about her grandparents, who were my grandparents. So those, I feel that it's okay for me to talk about. So once again, uh, Claire, uh, as we come to the uh, end of our uh, podcast, what is the message that, once again, you feel is will resonate with young people around the world? Uh, as I said before, uh, 
we all have to live now and then through difficult period, and I think the coronavirus right now is one of the most difficult things that we've had to endure around the world. And with children, because I can only relate to the way that I was treated as a child, uh, you please protect your children, love your children, and try to guide them and teach them how to react during even the worst of times so that they can become uh, the kind of people that can help make this world a better place to live. That's wonderful, Claire. During the time that we've been in this quarantine, um, it's been stressful for a lot of people, but I know for myself um, and for my wife, Danielle, we've had some very beautiful moments with our son, Oliver, that we probably would have never had um, if it weren't for the time that we were spending together. And so there are these little moments of uh, kind of the silver lining. Are there any memories that you have uh, growing up with uh, Lambert and Leah that uh, when you look back on it, it makes you smile? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, when During the war, when I was in hiding at first, uh, he had a wheelbarrow uh, to, to that Lambert. Maybe he helped people move from one area to another, and uh, he pretended that I was his granddaughter, and he would take me with him, and he would have me sit in the wheelbarrow uh, helping the people move. And I still remember going uh, through the streets of Brussels when I was safe. But then I also remember how uh, during uh, during Christmas time, when he they could not uh, go out to buy anything because I was brought up Christian during the war. Uh, I woke up Christmas Day, and they uh, Lambert had put together a bed for a doll that he had made himself, and there was a doll in the bed, and that I remember uh, so well. So yeah, there are. Many. This is just the spur of the moment that I'm telling you some of the things. And, of course, the sure. music that I learned was also priceless. But the, the love that I had from these people, that to me is just wonderful. And that's what I want for every child. I'm so glad with you and your grandchild right now, the love that this young man is going to be having is going to do nothing but make him a, a wonderful person and so many wonderful things that will you will just enjoy just watching him as he grows. It's going to be precious to you and precious to him as well. Absolutely. I tell you and what. The, the love you people have for animals, <laughs> that in itself, because... Uh, we had animals during the war, too. We had a dog and a cat. Really? So, yeah, I remember that as well. Uh, I seem to remember that uh, they named the little cat Bijou, which means jewel in French. I don't remember the dog's name, but I do remember they had two animals, and I loved the, the little animals uh, dearly as well. So, yeah, there were many, many things, but even 
during the time that we had to go in hiding, they never made it so that it would be a very scary thing. They, I felt that they uh, were trying so hard to keep me safe. And that you, uh, a child can react to because it's the parents who make them feel that way. And there's just so much that the parents should share with the children. It's not necessary. As you can tell, I don't know everything that was going on, but I can always pick up a book and learn today. Sure. So therefore, the things that went on at that time, I just uh, am just so grateful to uh, uh, Lambert and also Leah Sabo for all that they did for me. Oh, thank you so much, Claire, for taking the time to uh, chit-chat with us and, and share more of your story. It is greatly appreciated. Well, uh, like as I said to you before, uh, I am so pleased that you think of me to uh, share my story. Uh, it, it means the world to me to to do that. And uh, I hope that other people around the world uh, do realize the importance of uh, taking care of the children. It's a hard time for the adults, and children can react to the way that the adults act. So make them feel safe, make them feel special, that, because that's the way that I remember being treated during the war, and that's the way that I think that these children should be treated as well. That, that is fantastic. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, and God bless. Next week, we'll conclude our three-part Holocaust series with events surrounding the 20th transport train to Auschwitz the final journey that Claire's mother and 1,600 others were forced to endure. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And this was an incredible story. <laughs>